0: Hello and welcome back. Come sit for a spell and join me round the cauldron for this sometimes rambly, sometimes educational podcast hosted by me, Megan, and Everyday Modern Witch. The podcast is back. Things are going to be different on the podcast now as I bring on special guests. Anyone from authors, influencers, content creators, podcasters, and everyday people just like you are welcome on my show. I'm kicking off the reboot of Round the Cauldron with a very special guest. In today's episode, I speak with Brittany Jones, a witch, pagan, and pansexual woman running for president of the United States in 2024. We have an interesting and enlightening discussion about politics, paganism, and her plans for running the country. Before we hop in, I just want to let you know that there was an issue with Zoom not liking my microphone, so there is some feedback and echo when I speak sometimes. It's not there all the time, and it doesn't impede the conversation. But if you struggle to hear what I say and still want to view the interview, please find a transcript in the description and the show notes. All right, let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brittany. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. I know we've had a bit of a scheduling thing going on with both of our lives and the chaos that comes with living. Um, would you like to tell everybody that's listening a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, sure. And, and thank you for having me on as well. I, I always love coming on podcasts, especially pagan podcasts. Um, my name is Brittany Jones. I'm running for president of the United States as an unaffiliated candidate in the 2024 elections, and I'm running openly pagan, openly married to a woman, openly everything, um, pretty much a lot of far right-wingers hate, and even some leftists, though, <laughs> so, because I uh, <laughs> kind of hate on both sides of the aisle when they're with the Christian ideology, so I have a lot of backlash coming my way, but also a lot of support from our community.
0: Yes, I have seen all of the support that you have, and it's amazing. And I just, like, if I could give you a round of applause without it being extremely loud in the audio, I would, because I've been saying for so long that we need someone like someone like you to run for president or, like, be in any sort of position of power to just kickstart the movement in the right direction. Um. So since, since we are focused a little bit on witchcraft and paganism on the podcast, would you mind explaining a little bit about your practice and your beliefs and your history with paganism and witchcraft?
1: Um, not at all. I actually, um, would sneak witchcraft books when I was like 15 and read them in in private because I grew up in a Catholic family. Um, my, my sister's side of the family is Mexican, severely Catholic, and they raised me and, um so i would always sneak it whenever i could and once i hit 18 i went to basic training and met my first wiccan like openly wiccan person and she taught me meditation techniques and more about the wiccan path but wiccan wasn't where i ended up going um i don't i don't have a religion that i follow my practice is more secular and sometimes i work with a deity sometimes i don't i do believe in the christian god but i believe in many other gods Um, Mm -hmm. my work primarily focuses around dream work I use runes and like candle magic manifestation and and dream work dream work has been for been about 10 years is where that practice is my strongest one
0: that's so awesome I I'm the kind of person that my dreams escape me I either don't remember them or they are ridiculous because I'm on like medications for stuff that just makes them crazy. So that's really, really interesting to me. Um, okay, so the main thing that I wanna talk about today, obviously, is your campaign for president of the United States of 2024. Um, you know, as, as a witch, as a, a pagan, as a woman married to a woman, you know, there, like you said, there's a lot of backlash coming your direction or you've already got it or whatever and i think it's really important that more people hear you because you've got a lot to say and it's i've been irritated for you because you're not getting the same like treatment as the other candidates are or the the main candidates in um you know the democrat and the republican parties it's been really irritating to see that happen. Like, Oh, there's only like one or two women running for president. I'm like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> right.
1: And then on top of that, they're, they're covering the top candidates within these parties. I'm one of the top unaffiliated candidates. I think there's only two other that have fundraised more than me and, mm-hmm. and have I've gone viral many times. I've done all of that, but I, and I have proof that I'm actually like blacklisted from any of the news networks. They, they refused to give me any airtime to the point where they refused to cover an event that they were there um, getting footage of because I was who they got footage of. So they ended up not having it on their news station. And oh, it's just that been a battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a severe uphill battle. And the news agencies like Tucker Carlson's The Daily Caller uh, isn't prestigious enough. I have a positive article on there and a negative one where they say I should get a lobotomy because pagan, yeah pagan phobia is real today still um we're still not safe uh there's a lot of the comments were deleted um talking about burning me at the stake and um one of them is still there where it won't be trial and execution like in prison it'll be trial and burning at the stake so they they deleted most of them except for that one and i think that's one they kept up because it had a trial first you know the just process of the law
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but then they assumed that you're guilty because they assumed what your, you know, what the outcome would be. Yep, exactly. Oh my goodness. Um, so in all of this, what made you decide that now is the time for you to run for president?
1: I was finally old enough. Um, I've been waiting. (laughs) I've been (laughs) waiting. Yeah, I've been waiting for um, so watching Obama, watching Trump. And it's always, and then Biden, I mean, when Trump was elected, that's when, I, that's when I was like, yes, I'm doing it. As soon as I'm old enough, I'm doing it because it's always rich, disconnected people that don't understand what it's like to live where we're living at now. They, they talk about all this stuff to make all these promises of what they can and what they can do. And it's all lies. Even, even Williamson, who a lot of the pagan community likes as well. She's making these promises that she cannot fulfill. No candidate can give you minimum wage. No presidential candidate can make college free. No presidential candidate can do universal health care. We can't do it. Congress does that because there's three different branches of the government. And mm-hmm. so I'm not out here making false promises. I'm not here telling you what I could actually do as president under the executive branch with my powers over the, the institutions that fall under the executive branch, like the private prisons, border control, DHS, CPS, the schools. There's a lot of things that the executive branch can do to help using the legislation already in place. Um, So all these candidates, even the other unaffiliated candidates, are making false promises that they won't be able to keep. And I'm fed up with that. I think educating people on how the job actually goes and what the president can actually do would go a lot farther than making a false promise.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That you make because I feel like um, you know even even in my own life I have to check myself and say like but can the president actually do that because we do have three branches of government for a reason and I find that a lot of people don't realize the limited power that comes with being the president like yeah you can do executive orders but executive orders can only take you so far and you know you ha- will have Congress to fight against you, especially if Congress is like, um, you know, the, the differing parties and how everybody fights, which the, the party system is ridiculous anyway. It is. Um, <laughs> it, it just needs to go. I think it just needs to go. Um, so how, how has your practice and your beliefs pushed you to like um, what am I trying to say has your practice and your beliefs sort of pushed you to run for presidency do your um, beliefs and practices sort of play a role in how uh, how you would want to be president if that makes sense like words are escaping me right now
1: Um, Not directly, more indirectly, because I had um, my business here in Eugene and I had my school. I I put the school on hold because I had a pagan university, a private college. Can't call Mm -hmm. it a university. It's not accredited yet. But I had a private college um, with a whole bunch of different pathways that people could study. And so many people were afraid of what I was doing because I was going for accreditation because they're afraid to be out of the shadows. They're afraid to have the spotlight on the pagan community. But because we are in the shadows, crimes against us are going unreported. The stigma against us is still there because we're hiding. And so people don't know that we're here. We're mm-hmm. normal people. We're, we're, we're walking next to you in Walmart and you have no idea. And for me, it was really important to, to encourage more of us to come out of the shadows because witchcraft in America is a billion dollar industry as of last year. Yeah. So there are way more of us, and there are there's safety in numbers. And if we all just made a collective thought pro- process of coming out, it would be a huge movement in this country. And I was so tired of the Christian ideology being shoved down my throat and being judged on both sides of the aisle for my practice that it, it's time. And it was I actually debated with myself when I was running if I should openly declare that I am pagan, that I do practice witchcraft, or should I keep it hidden for this? And I'm actually really good that I did say it because it made my campaign go viral instantly. Mm -hmm. Because people are, oh my God, you you lost me at witch and blah 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 and then all the pagans came out, primarily Norse pagans. Norse pagans have been amazing in their support for my campaign. Um but it's people have came out. Of the broom closet since I've started running. And it's I think that representation is important.
0: I think that's really awesome. And and it's funny to me that it's like the Norse pagans who are like, yeah, because <laughs> I you know, I would imagine it would be everybody. But I think maybe that has something to do with Norse pagans already being in the spotlight mm-hmm. for negative reasons, you know, with um like the Odinists and the AFA and the white supremacists who have co-opted their symbols and their beliefs for ridiculous reasons to, you know, further their racist agenda. Um, But I think, I think you're right. I, it's, it bothers me that we have this billion dollar industry, but it's, it's out there, but we personally have to hide it you're profiting off of our secrecy and our fear. I would like
1: to say it's the, one of the biggest forms of cultural appropriation that's going unaddressed in America. Um, you know, we talk about cultural appropriation with the indigenous heritage and I do call out Norse pagans who try to use that chin line. That's mm-hmm. invincible, That's not for, for Norse pagans. Um, there are ind- beautiful indigenous culture from the Norse areas, from the Norse heritage. We don't have to take from indigenous heritage to, to be unique and special and, and make that statement. So, you know, bringing, bringing that respect, but that also plays into the fact that the own appropriation of our, of our practices in Hollywood, you know, there's charm, there's supernatural, there's, there's hocus pocus and yeah, they're fun movies. They're, they're great movies, but People celebrate this, spend billions of dollars on it, while back in 2021, a woman was burned alive in her trailer because somebody thought she was a witch. And that disconnect there is so insane to me. And Walmart is selling sage now. Places like Joanne's and Michael's, they have sage and and witchy items. They're profiting off of us while also condemning us at the same time.
0: And Absolutely.
1: it's it needs to stop we need more representation. We need more people speaking up. We need more communities coming together and we need accountability within our own community as well.
0: Absolutely. And like you mentioned Walmart selling sage Uh and like, there's a place here in Florida called five below, Mm -hmm. which is like, it's like a step between the 99 cent store and dollar general or um, family dollar. So everything is $5 and under, and they have things on chakras and sage. And then they have the dragon's blood sage, which is just covered in like red powder. And I just, I want to scream every time I'm in there. And every time I go in there, it's like half gone. And I just, I wish people could understand one, what they're buying, but two, that there are better places to buy those types of products that support the actual indigenous communities and that also, you know, don't profit off of us while also, um, you know, like you said, condemning us. Right. And uh, I think you're right. If more people stepped forward and had the courage or the safety to be able to come out into the light, I think that would That would be really beneficial. And I think you're probably playing a larger role in that than maybe you realize. I don't I don't know how you feel about it, but like you're out there and you're in you're in the public's eye in whatever way you can be as an open pagan and witch. And I think, you know, as you said, more people are coming out of the broom closet, so to speak, because, they see you or they've thought about it for themselves and there's definitely safety in numbers. Um, and you mentioned a metaphysical college in Eugene that you opened or were opening.
1: It was an online school. It was ran for about two years before I I put it on pause to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely some learning curves. It wasn't perfect by any means. And I can't wait. If I, if I had been rich, it would have been a lot easier to set up. But <laughs> yeah. I had to do all my own accounting, my own payroll, um, try to get the board members together to do do their parts. And um, since it wasn't profitable, a lot of them didn't have the ability to fully commit. New, new businesses for the first three to five years usually don't turn a profit.
0: Right. They operate at a loss generally
1: exactly and so the board members actually had an ownership position they didn't get a salary they got a percentage of the revenue of the profits from it so if if we were able to stick it out and just get to that point then they would have it would have been beautiful but i decided to run for president and i just couldn't juggle all of it while running for office and i decided to put it on hold because if we don't get someone like me in office or if we don't get representation like that out there, then my school could be illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, They already in many different states, they made it illegal to uh, to do tarot readings or divination or spell work in exchange for money. You're not allowed to sell your services. And that's a blatant violation of church and state separation of church and state, by the way, and religious freedoms. Um, But they put it under gambling. And I'm just like, that could easily be expanded if the wrong person gets an office, a woman, I think in 2017 was sentenced to two years or some fines because she accepted money for tarot readings.
0: Um, here in Florida, there's actually a law that says anybody that does tarot readings, um, I'm not not sure about the semantics of it if they only cover like readings done in person versus readings done online, but you're supposed to be licensed. You have to have a background check and the fee is like $500 a year. And I'm like, but, but why? Like, why, why can't I do this under the fact of like my faith or, um, What's the difference between me performing a healing spell for someone and me going to church and having them pray for me? Exactly. Exactly. Difference? Um so I was scrolling through your TikTok, you know, trying to take notes and stuff. And I noticed that you had talked about an issue that you ran into with um licensing for the school. Yes, was that because of the type of school it is?
1: Yes. So in Oregon originally to, to legally operate, I either needed to get a license or a license exemption, uh, with finances, it was easier to start it with a license exemption for, um, being a, a religious school or Mm -hmm. for an, there was two options to do a religious school. I had to be a Bible college or a Bible or a seminary school. And I was like, it's, it's neither of those, and I wouldn't feel comfortable as a pagan going to something labeled as a Bible school or seminary school. Correct. And so I started fighting back against that to get that changed so that any religious school could get a religious exemption without having to be a specific type. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was doing that fight, I got a license exemption under entertainment
0: because we're not real. <laughs> nope. Totally fake.
1: <laughs> So I got, I got a license exemption under entertainment so I could at least legally operate the school. Um, the license itself doesn't change the value of the materials that were being taught. And so I just took what I could get. I did end up getting it changed in Oregon so that any religious school could get a religious exemption um, for the, without having to be a Bible or a seminary school. So I did not end up doing that because I did end up deciding to go forward with accreditation. And we were only like 21 credits away from being able to submit our school for that. We had to have each class worth a certain amount of credits for an associate's degree. We had to have enough classes to have enough credits for an associate's degree to submit for accreditation. And um, we were 21 credits away when, when I started this journey of running for office. Um, So it's, it's shelved for now. The website I think is disabled right now currently. Um, But as soon as I'm done, fighting this fight I definitely intend to get back to building it I cannot wait to have my physical university I want to be the little old lady in the cottage in the back pruning her roses in the front yard and students whispering like who is that old lady
0: oh she started the school <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that would be fantastic and I mean I guess there was kind of a silver lining to all of that issue because now you know you were able to get it to where anybody any religious school could get that kind of licensing and not just a Bible school or a seminary school. So, I mean, kind of a silver lining. And I do hope that you're able to get back to that whenever the presidential journey is over, because I think that would be amazing. And also I'm moving back to Oregon. So, I mean, Uh (laughs) I won't be over in Eugene, but I'll, I'll be there. (laughs) Cool. I don't know exactly
1: where we'll build the physical campus. I was looking at like five, two to 2000 to 5,000 acre campuses, like, like properties for sale mm-hmm. um, in the middle of nowhere. Cause mm-hmm. I just want it to be its own thing and not, um, not beholden to city bylaws and city rules. And yeah, let's make our own witchy town, pagan town out in the middle of nowhere that respects the environment and has different practices and is safe
0: for us yes, please I think that would be so amazing because everybody else has their schools why can't mm-hmm. we exactly We've got, like the online stuff but we never get the financing or the donations or the capital behind us generally to be able to move forward with some sort of physical location especially accredited that's really awesome
1: yeah, there's um, there's some that have the religious exemptions in their state, like the Gray School of Wizardry. It's a really old um, school. I think they're in New York or somewhere and they do have a small campus. Mm-hmm. And. Um, oh, God. Cherry Hill Sem- Seminary in Eugene or around where I am. They mm-hmm. have a small school building and they're sec- They're they're for pagans, too. Even though I had no idea, I knew about them, but I thought they were just another church because they were a seminary school. But they're a pagan Mm -hmm. school. But any school I found online, they don't have the full accreditation. It's all um, religious exemptions, religious accreditations. It's not... Mm -hmm. I want to be... I want my school to be like the Harvard of pagan schools. Transfer between community colleges, universities. I want it to be... To make a... To be something that's going to pave the way, I guess you could say, break those stereotypes.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a really awesome goal to have and, you know, opens the door for for more people to do that, either like on a large scale or small scale. And I had no idea there were other schools out there that were um, that had like the religious exemption that are smaller. And I mean, Honestly, maybe if I looked a little harder, I could probably find them. (laughs) But I wear so many hats that I like barely have time to leave my house.
1: (laughs) I I, I feel that. I feel that.
0: Oh, oh my goodness. Um, So your platform has a heavy focus on reforming the government, not necessarily um, like not continuing exactly how things are going right now because they're not working um so what is your approach as an unaffiliated candidate to sort of meet the other two branches of the government in the middle and come together so that progress can be made and things won't just stall as people try to like get in your way and stop things from happening
1: well, I can tell you um, quite a few people will call me a dictator or a tyrant, <laughs> but um, I, I do plan on expanding the Supreme Court. I'm not sure exactly by how many justices, but it's going to be from everyday average American citizens that are living. La- I'm going to bring a lot of average people like myself into these positions because we know mm-hmm. the struggle. Um, obviously, the Supreme Court justices, I'm going to make sure, you know, they at least have some type of legal training, at least. Um we have too many unqualified people in those positions right now and um, get diversity and the judicial board. And then for Congress, right now, a state of emergency could be done for the indigenous genocide, the beginning genocide to transgender people, and the homeless crisis that we have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, especially going into winter, a lot of homeless people are going to die. And in summertime, they also die from heat exposure. Mm-hmm. And so, I do plan on enacting a state of emergency and when you have a state of an emergency in conjunction with genocide happening on American soil, the president gets a little bit more abilities, more unilateral power. And I plan on freezing the assets of people like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott. And I won't put any, you could put a sanction on the States in that position too, but I would never do that because I don't want the people in the States to suffer. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be protecting them at the federal level, but um, the people who are directly contributing to the legislation that is taking away our rights would get assets frozen. We'd have independent task force doing um, investigations on them for crimes against humanity. Greg Abbott is violating international law as well as civil and criminal laws in the United States, and um, DeSantis is also violating human rights laws in the United States and people try to say that there is no genocide going against transgender people because they're not being murdered. And genocide is not just murdering someone. It's the erasure of a group of people. And in, in, right. I think there's eight steps, removing children, removing literature, um, taking away medical care. And there mm-hmm. are the suicide rates that are going to be rising. The less medical care they get, they're not able to, they, they get depressed and they, they kill themselves. And this is a form of genocide now the indigenous people have been facing genocide since colonizers came to this country mm-hmm. and if we could get our communities to stand together because a pattern that I'm noticing and, and people don't like when I point this out because they don't like to feel guilty or they don't like to feel um, like they did something wrong. And I'm not saying it's from, it's not on purpose that the indigenous community and the black community have stood with when women were getting our rights when the pride movement started, it was a black transgender woman that ran the movement.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: with police brutality indigenous genocide, I've been to ICWA marches. I've been to to marches for indigenous people and meetings for indigenous people. And it's typically only indigenous people there. I don't see any of my other communities there from the pagan or the LGBTQ community, even though I share them on my platforms. I say, allies, come on, let's show our numbers. Mm-hmm. The LGBTQI plus community and the pagan community is not showing up for the indigenous and the black communities the way that they should be, and that feels like an attack on those communities. But it's not; it's bringing awareness to be aware of what mm-hmm. is happening. Like I went to a transgender march in DC, and there were so many people there, and the stark contrast to how many people show up to these different marches is really um, eye opening. And so we need to make sure that we're coming together because what the government is trying to do is separate us. But if we bring all of our communities together, if we actually reach out to like the native offices in your area and say, how can we help? How can we be an ally? Don't tell them what, you know, they don't Mm want to hear what you, you know to be an ally. You ask them how you can help. And they, they're usually more than willing to, to have more people on board because it's coming together is how we take a stand and make these changes it's power in numbers safety in numbers Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that by this campaign is going to be painful because I'm exposing all these discrepancies they're not on purpose but they're discrepancies that we can fix right that we can fix by moving forward together reaching out um, correcting actions microaggressions that we don't realize that we're doing And retraining our brains to be more aware of what's going on around us and not just things that are directly impacting our own communities. I know how when something's directly impacting your own community, you can become over fixated and hyper obsessed with that one issue and bypass Mm -hmm. the other ones. And we have to train ourselves to be aware of all the other ones as well. And because that's that's how we make the changes by coming together. And we kind of have to take the blinders off.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, So how, like, how would, what would that look like for interacting with Congress, for example? Um, Like we, we as a community or we as several communities out here in the public, like we can do what we can do, but what would that look like trying to bring the political community of Congress together to help that forward progress?
1: Well, There are a lot of congressional seats coming open in 2024 and the Senate and the House and and local level um, positions as well. I am encouraging people from our communities to run for those seats. If we get people from our communities, if we stand together, there's more than enough of us to get these people into those seats. If we stop with the rhetoric of vote blue no matter who and we actually vote for who we want, We could completely Mm -hmm. change the face of our government and get people in there who are not bought out by corporations, who are not beholden to party lines, and who will actually work with us and for us because they are one of us. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't happen, and I'm stuck working with the same old members of Congress, um, they're also going to be investigated with federal task force Mm -hmm. uh, because they're also towing party lines, putting party before policy, and they're not working for the American people anymore. There's there needs to be audits done. Um, spending 10k on staplers and toilets just so you don't lose your funding is absolutely ludicrous. Um, I don't think Congress should have control of the finances in this country anymore. It hasn't been doing any good. I think the cabinet of the executive branch is who should have the control of the finances since they're the ones that actually run the institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm encouraging people to run for office. If if you if you run if you run independent or unaffiliated. Um, no labels is looking for candidates. The good party is looking for candidates run for something is looking for candidates. There's organizations out there that will support you. And this last election had more unaffiliated independent candidates at the local level than we've seen for a really long time, get elected into office. And I want to make a wave of people running for office Mm -hmm. and let's get us, let's get us in there. there. We have the numbers. We just have to be Confident enough in ourselves to vote that way,
0: yeah, I think that would probably be half the battle. like we can go run, but a lot of people are afraid of voting for an unaffiliated or an independent candidate, and it's something that I've seen um, like in in my own life from people that I have spoken with is if you vote for an independent or an unaffiliated candidate, you're taking votes away from you know, like the Democrats who have more of a chance of winning and we want the Democrats or like we we don't want the Republicans. So like vote for the person that's going to win against the Republican. And uh, I think that's a lot of the problem with and- the, the voting system and like the party system in general.
1: Yes. And teaching people that we outnumber them, I think right now, unaffiliated independent outnumber Democrats and Republicans combined by about 85 million people. I know Oregon. Yeah, I know in Oregon, unaffiliated voters outnumber Democrats and and Republicans. Ohio has seven million and something registered voters. Out of those seven million, six million are unaffiliated. There's more and more people are turning away from the party system. I do say, however, that if you're running Democrat for a state office, I will still support a Democrat for a state office. I don't support parties for federal offices. That's just my own personal belief. We should not have parties in, in the federal office, they're supposed to oversee everyone. Um, but you know, don't just vote for the rich person. The rich people are the problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's, let's focus on research, your candidates. You get a, you get a voter's pamphlet, you get a list of candidates that are in the voters pamphlet. You can look up on your voter registration um, website for your state and see a list of everyone who's running, go to their websites, Google their name, find their social media, do your research. Yes. It's time consuming, our lives and freedoms are literally in the balance. So take that time.
0: Yeah. Take that. Time. I fully agree. And, and it's like, I think the time consuming part is what gets a lot of people tripped up. And, and that can be tied back to the entire circle of like, uh, corporate exploitation of labor and we're working to scrape by and some people are working two or three jobs and like they don't have time so then they vote for the person that matches their party because they don't have time to research so it's like all connected (laughs)
1: like if you have time to lay in bed and scroll through tiktok for two three hours i'm guilty of this myself when you get sucked down the tiktok rabbit hole Mm -hmm. take a break spend 30 minutes go to your website write down the list of people And then just once a day, twice a day, Google one of them. Just take it bit by bit, like an ADHD schedule.
0: Yes. And a a helpful tip that that I have when it comes to researching uh, people and and even corporations for like some of my freelance stuff, I have learned that if you type in the person's name and the word conspiracy (laughs) or like, um, oh, there's another word, what I'm trying to say, like when somebody does something wrong or they get caught up in something that they shouldn't have been.
1: I know. What you're t- I know. What you oh my God. What's that?
0: I can't think of the word, but if you type in like the name and uh, arrested or um, you know, whatever you, you tend to find more information about the people and like, if they've done anything bad or if they're connected to any sort of organization that isn't very good. Um, so, so like yeah, Biden, it, it's <laughs> doable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, um, people, this is another thing. Uh, a lot of people like Biden, um, he has violated indigenous treaties multiple times during his, his, t- his time in office. Um, so another thing I like to say is if you say you're an ally of the indigenous community, don't vote for Biden because that's not being an ally. Um, he has BlackRock executives that he has hired to work at the White House. Um, BlackRock is behind the oil pipelines that are violating the treaties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oil pipelines that the Republicans love so much because they love their oil and their oil field workers and the money that they get from that—they're all tied together. The two—the two parties are in the same pockets of the same corporations, and it's not going to change. And if you do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome—that's the definition of insanity. We need to break the cycle. We need, and there's enough of us. And I think finally enough, enough of us are tired of what's been happening. I think enough of us finally see this is not working. We need something different. We just need to be able to connect to the others that also feel that way so that they know they're not alone because if they Mm -hmm. know they have the numbers and they'll be more likely to vote for who they want to vote for. The whole point is to take away votes from the Democrats and Republicans. Let's take those votes away. Let's make them lose.
0: Yeah. Put it where Put it where the most good can happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the only wasted vote is when you vote for someone you don't actually want to vote for. That's the only yeah. time your vote is wasted. If your vote really didn't count, the government wouldn't be trying to tell you so hard that it didn't count. They don't want you voting because they want to stay in power. Or they mm-hmm. want you voting of the two parties because they want to
0: stay in power exactly exactly it's all a big sham yep (laughs) so what then you've talked about black lives matter you've talked about the indigenous community um i'm not sure if we've talked about the queer community yet um what what are your plans then when you become president for protecting and working with the underrepresented communities here in the United States?
1: Well, I will be doing executive orders. Now, executive orders are temporary. They're not to create new legislation. Executive orders expand and clarify legislation or give directives to the agencies,
0: um, Mm -hmm. directives
1: and policies to the agencies under the executive branch. I plan on doing executive order to make sure that transgender people have access to reproductive health care, or anyone has access to reproductive health care, actually, abortion rights. And um, an executive order to make sure that transgender people have access to gender affirming care and to make sure that children are not being taken away from transgender families or because a child is transgender. We're actually seeing that in Florida right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Transgender children and children who could just possibly be exposed to transgender therapy or anything like that are being taken away from their families.
0: And we have a system here um, in in our local homeschool group because I homeschool um, where we, we have a buddy system when we go out to a place, uh, no matter where that place is, no child or no two kids or whatever goes to like the bathroom without an adult. I don't care how old the kid is. You could be 17, almost an adult. You're not going anywhere without an adult that can go with you and like stand guard basically to make sure that that child and the rest of the children that are there are safe because our our group centers around being inclusive. So we have all kinds of people in our group. So we yeah, we are are directly seeing the effects of all of the laws and stuff that DeSantis has forced on everybody.
1: And we're supposed to be the, the echo is back a little bit, but we're supposed to be free and safe in America and we're not. And that's part of, you know, ripping the bandaid off that executive that, that state of emergency in the beginning is to is to rip that bandaid off, get instant protections in place for people, hold accountable people that are taking away our rights and making it unsafe. And then we'll move forward. I think you have to squeeze the pus out of the wound before it can start healing. So exactly. <laughs> we got to we got to fix it. And it's it's going to be, you know, I have plans for police reform, prison reform. Going through the education system, the the hospitals, the everything its all built on institutionalized racism and genocide. And we need to get those systematic racism, those systematic problems out. And we we do that by systematically, very concisely combing through these industries. And I plan on getting someone to be the head, you know, the attorney general and the head of the FBI and the Department of Justice are going to be people who aren't going to be afraid to press charges against state level cops. For violating okay. their oath of office, for abusing their power, for violating federal law and being judged, jury and executioner out on the streets, they're violating our civil rights by taking away our right to a fair and speedy trial and innocent until proven guilty. They are making those decisions on the spot, and they shouldn't be. And we yeah. can bring accountability that way. One of,
0: I grew up in a city in California that has. Um, it's not like this anymore, as far as I know. But the statistics for officer-involved shootings were really, really high. And so the, um, like, the saying for our police department there was: "They shoot first and ask questions later." Don't get involved with them at all. Like, avoid them at all possible, or if at all possible. And yeah, like that. That's something that that needs to be addressed. And I'm glad you, you seem to have a plan for at least getting those steps in motion to mm-hmm. move forward and give the people, um, who need the power to, to do something about it, like to give them that ability. And exactly. I, think that's, I think that's great. Um, I ha I personally have one more question and then I got some questions from my audience that okay. I would like to ask you. Um, So we're moving back to Oregon in a couple of months or whenever it happens. There's a lot that has to be done before then. When we moved from Oregon to Florida is when I made the decision to homeschool because I did my research on the school system. It's, it's terrible. Like it's really bad. And, um, one of my, one of my concerns has always been gun violence and, um, Going back to Oregon, the area that we're looking at has less of a statistic on gun violence and threats to schools. So um, that plus a couple of other things have led us to this decision that when we get back there, our daughter is gonna go back to public school. The thoughts of gun violence and threats always are going to be in my brain. And I guess my question is as president, what would you be able to do to help combat that or like gun violence in schools or gun violence in general?
1: So unfortunately I I support common sense gun laws. Um, That doesn't mean I can implement them. I I cannot Mm -hmm. create new legislation as president Um, for common sense gun legislation that would have to go through Congress. But what I can do is work on going through the mental health aspect of America. And when I go through the, 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 Medical institutions with my um, task force that I set up to evaluate every hospital and that type of stuff, and getting mental health specialists in every school, um, physical disability specialists in every school, and then also going to every school and seeing what they need for security. No matter their neighborhood, no matter where they are, every single child deserves to be secure in their school. And if they need funding to build a fence, if they need funding to to get better doors, if they need funding to and in- upgrade their windows or anything to make sure that they're safer there while legislation is being worked on Congress. And if Congress does work on legislation, that would be a priority, even though we should never have to lock children up like they're in prison Um, until we get the gun violence under control. That's the only way that we could keep them safe is to do that. Mm That's As president, the only way I could keep them safe is to make sure the schools have the security that they need. Um, to keep the kids safe while they're there. And I wish I wish as president I could do more, but unfortunately I can't, which is why I'm encouraging people to run for office that want common sense gun legislation. I don't even want to take guns away. I have a gun myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you could own a bazooka or a tank in the United States. You just have to go through the proper steps. No one complains about having to go through the proper steps to own a tank, but we complain about possible more restrictions on getting a semi-automatic rifle um, or... And it's like we already have restrictions in place. All we have to do is expand them to make sure that there's proper training, the, um, psych evaluations, mm-hmm. and universal background checks, even for private sales.
0: And- yeah, because the the private sale thing is a is a loophole that people take advantage of here in Florida. I there's like a gun show every six weeks at the fairgrounds, and it's. If I'm not mistaken, the laws in my area or the state in general are, no background checks are required if it's a private sale. And that's, that's so scary. Yeah. And and DeSantis passed another law here where you don't even have to have a license to carry a concealed weapon anymore. So somebody with no training, yeah, somebody with no training can just carry a gun around and like, that's terrifying.
1: Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, I've been I've been hunting since I was eight years old. I've served in the military. Um, gun safety and the conceal and carry classes don't even really go in depth as they need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there should be conceal and carry purses. It's very unsafe to have your gun in a purse. I think if you're going to carry a gun, it needs to be strapped to your body at all times, um, or locked in a box in your car, stored away, mm-hmm. like, locked, locked. So even if your car is stolen, they're going to have to really try to get in there and report a stolen right away. But um, if you know you're going somewhere where you can't have a gun, then leave your gun in your safe at home. Don't let your kids know the combination to the safe. Don't let strangers or friends even know the combination to the safe. It's just common sense safety issues that are not taught in conceal and carry classes, trigger safety, um, where to point the barrel, make sure to double check the chamber when handing it off or cleaning it mm-hmm and it's like to me it's common sense because I grew up like that yeah but people are out here buying guns that didn't grow up like that and they're getting stolen they're selling them privately there's mass shootings there's um spousal abuse partner abuse uh, my son's father he had schizophrenia and PTSD from the military if he had to go through a psych evaluation to own a gun He would still be alive today because he wouldn't have killed himself and his then recently ex-girlfriend in a psychosis, PTSD, schizophrenic episode.
0: I'm so sorry about
1: that. Thank you. It was 2011. I've had time. It's been me and my son for years now. But using that for an example, um, a lot of people would still be alive today if we took the mental health of our nation seriously.
0: Yeah. I fully agree. And yeah, I do wish that the president would uh, be able to have the power to do more. But it sounds like what would have to happen is sort of like the president puts on the bandaid while we wait for Congress to like prep for surgery, continuing with the medical metaphor. So we've got to make sure that Congress is ready to do surgery <laughs> and fix the things <laughs> that need to be fixed.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: All right, so I have a couple questions from my audience. I will start with a short one. Um, well, it's a short question, but it might be a long answer. Um, someone asked how you plan on keeping church and state separated. How do you plan on like separating church and state in with the current state of our government?
1: That's a good one. Um, currently working on legislation in the referendum process, 24 states allow you, the people, to get laws, new legislation on the ballot to be voted in. So you bypass your state legislature. You don't have to wait for your elected officials to do their job. You can just do it for them. Um, But I'm working in 24 states. There's a legislative item that I have drafted to make sure that churches can no longer lobby for or against any type of legislation. Um, That's the last strand they have to our government is through the legal process. They're not allowed to campaign for or against candidates or parties, Mm -hmm. Um, but they can campaign for legislation. And if we take that away, a lot of the laws, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, a lot of the anti-transgender legislation, a lot of the the drag queen legislation, all of that, you can trace it back to religious groups and religious organizations paying for these lobbying, lobbying aspects to pass these bills. And if we get it so that they can no longer participate in the legislative process at all, then that, I think that would be a huge change. And I do believe I could do an executive order for this as president because the separation of church and state is in the constitution and constitution is federal law. So I could just Mm -hmm. clarify that the separation of church and state is complete and total. There's no way. There's no uh, leeway. Yeah, yeah. There's no leeway there. Um, They can't participate in the legislative process. They can't participate in in voting in elections. They are entities that are nonprofit organizations. They are religious organizations. They're not allowed to participate in this process. Uh, They're not allowed to use their religious ideologies to force others to physically follow their ideologies. That's in the Constitution. You're not allowed to force others to follow your religion. And I think I could do an executive order on that, but... Of course, my predecessor, whoever comes after me could be like, oh, I don't agree with this and just take it away. So we would once again need Congress to codify it into law and make sure it's permanent.
0: OK, that makes sense. So it sounds like you believe that once you take the money away from the the lobbying from the religious organizations, that could help solve a lot of those issues.
1: Yes. Now, it wouldn't directly keep the corporations out of it. That's something that has to go through Congress, of course. But at least I could get the mega churches and those things out of our legislative process. Okay,
0: cool. That makes a lot of sense. I hope that would be successful. Same. Uh, uh, So the next one is, it was a really long comment on Instagram. And for context, I want to read the entire thing. Um, So I'm going to. It says, uh, I have a couple of questions for her and I hope you will forgive me because I don't want to sound too critical. I love the idea of a woman president, especially a pagan one, but I have some concerns particularly for the 2024 race. I hate to be quote that guy, but in 2024, the most important thing to do is keep away with the White House from the Republican party. So is it strategically wise to split the Democrat vote right now? Why 2024 and not in 2028? By 2028, maybe Orange Man will be in jail or, quote, choke on a McDonald's Big Mac and the situation will be better suited to grab voters. Also, let's assume that you do win and you become the president. What is your plan for building the political infrastructure in Congress and the House to avoid being stonewalled by Republicans and Democrats, both of whom are very likely to be salty about you taking the White House from their party? There is only so much you can do with executive orders alone. How do you plan on generating support for policy within our current political system without the backing of a third party majority anywhere in sight? he said, sorry, I'm not trying to discourage you or anyone else, but what you're trying to do is something that I do want that I do want and support, but it's something that will take decades of hard work building a foundation and political infrastructure before it's viable. We do need to start now. What is your plan to build that infrastructure and foundation to make a third party competitive politically? So there's lots of questions in there. So if you need me to, I can pull them out.
1: Okay. No. Third party is already competitive politically. That's why they're denying us any news to airtime. They know that if we got airtime, we would crush the two-party system. We're already competitive. Mm-hmm. Two, Trump will not be the only one with these ideologies. He's not. There's Vivek. There's DeSantis. So what happens after Trump? There's going to be another one. Three, it's been this same rhetoric of keep away for how many elections now? It's not changing. It's always going to be the same old, same old until we make the change. And the splitting the vote rhetoric is literally spread by the two parties so that they stay, they keep in power. Kind of how Harry's, Harry Ritchie's, I think it was, that made the diamond so valuable when really it's just a rock in the dirt that's really common. Um, They made every single woman believe they needed a diamond ring and diamond earrings every anniversary, and they were able to jack up the prices. Now, the Republicans and Democrats, when they say voting for third party is a vote for the enemy or a vote for the opposition or you're splitting the vote, they're right. We are the enemy. We are the opposition. And you are you are splitting the vote technically. You're taking votes away from them. But that's how elections work. We're not supposed to hand an office to somebody. Especially one who's violating indigenous treaties in the pockets of BlackRock. Uh, not really working on police reform or prison reform. Um, not enforcing treaties, which the president has the direct power to do. And it's just one of those things where we got to grow some some balls or some ovaries, however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. take a stand because the rhetoric's not going to change. And I like to tell people who are spreading the splitting the vote rhetoric that they're working for the two parties, but they're working for free. They're not even getting paid to help keep them in power. And it's a hard pill to swallow, but that yeah. rhetoric. If, if people read that comment, somebody out there that wants to vote third party is going to read that and be like, oh, maybe I better not. So you're adding to the problem of the lack of support by continuing to make those comments and spreading that rhetoric. Instead, say we have the numbers, we outnumber them, vote for who you want. Stop wasting your vote by voting for people who you don't want. Mm-hmm. It's, it's changing the dialogue of our nation that will change the minds of how we move forward. Now is the perfect time in 2024. Now is the important time in 2024, because whether, whether Trump or Biden get in office, things are still going to get worse. Transgender rights are being taken away under Biden. Indigenous mm-hmm. treaties are being violated under Biden. Black people are dying at the hands of police at an increased rate under Biden. He is not yeah. changing anything. He has the power to change it, and he's not. He's doing the bare minimum to secure votes in 2024 because he's in the same pockets. I'm going to say this all the time, same pockets of the same corporations as the Republicans. If a Republican gets in office, things are going to fast track. Democrat gets in office, we're still going to go the same way. It's just going to be a little slower and a little less obvious to people who are watching. But it's still going to happen. It's on the same trajectory. The left party in America is right anywhere else. It's the right wing in any other advanced. We need to break that cycle and our vote counts, our vote matters. It's the, pretty much the main power the American people have is voting. So the yeah, only I mean, way if... vote, go ahead. <laughs> the only wasted vote is when you vote for someone who you don't want to vote for.
0: Yeah. So it, it sounds like it's a, if not now, then when type of situation. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And. Okay.
1: For Congress, for the political infrastructure for Congress, um, that is the people's job. Again, the president doesn't control Congress, but the people control who is in Congress. So if you want the political infrastructure for a Congress, congressional body that's going to work with the president and with the people, vote for those people to be in office. And I will say that I'm already working with elected officials who are Republican and Democrat. So I'm not seeing the issues working with both sides of the aisle. Um, I I have people who agree with me on both sides of the aisle. There's um, Paula. she's an elected official in the SEIU union here in in Oregon. And we've been working on indigenous legislation together. And um, I'm learning more about the unions here through her. And she's Republican. And then there's also an elected official in Iowa who's a Democrat who said that she might actually break party lines to endorse me. And then there's an elected Democrat official in Eugene who's who if I had made it in time, I got the wrong time for the event. I would have had an endor- a soft endorsement from him. So I know, I know. I was like, why did you tell me the wrong time for the event? It's OK, though. I did still meet other people um, from other unions, um, but we're working together and we're actually going to be meeting up to go over the statewide legislation I'm working on. Working across the aisle isn't the issue. Fighting the rhetoric is the issue.
0: All right. Um, the next question, someone said, where does she stand on the abortion issue? Mainly, is it a state's issue or should it be federal?
1: Federal. I'm pro-choice and the right to life, liberty, and happiness is in the constitution. And um, being pregnant can severely alter your life expectancy, your life um, value, your quality of life. My kidney is no longer where it is supposed to be because of my last pregnancy. My eyesight's not the way it's supposed to be because of my middle pregnancy. I have a pinched nerve in my, I'm going to censor myself there, but uh, because of my first pregnancy, it alters your life. Um, America has one of the highest mortality rates for pregnant women out of any advanced nation. We're number one. Uh, We're also number one for death rates after birth out of the advanced nations. The right to life is to those who are already al- alive, not, not to be, it's precious. I'm pro-choice. I would never get an abortion. I didn't. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean somebody else has to force to give birth and possibly die because my own choice to, to keep my pregnancy. Right.
0: And, and the, the definition of like when someone is considered alive or when something has life is not a scientific question. It's a philosophical and spiritual question Mm -hmm. because science hasn't decided on what makes someone or something alive. Exactly. Wanted to throw that in there too. (laughs) Also,
1: also the Heartbeat Association does not consider the first heartbeat you hear a heartbeat because the heart's not developed. It's two valves that your blood as the mother is pumping through. It's not the baby's heartbeat. It's two valves that are not developed into a heart. The heart does not actually develop until 17 to 21 weeks. So the fetal heartbeat association itself says that's not the heartbeat you're hearing. It's not a heart yet. So all these heartbeat bills going into place to stop abortion to access care. I mean, access to abortion care. um, They're misusing the term. They're not going by the proper.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then, um, I'm not going to ask this one because we kind of already talked about it. It was like about your faith and did that push you toward um, political action. The last question that I have comes from a teacher that I actually know. And she said, ever the educator, I'd like to know if she's familiar with the science of reading movement and how she might revamp literacy instruction to support students actually learning to read. And, And for a little bit of context, if I'm not mistaken, this teacher Works closely with students that have reading disabilities and learning disabilities in general. I think specifically dyslexia. Um, so I don't know if you want to like expand that question to like helping support all students with disabilities. If that's even something the president can do. Well, I'm actually not familiar with
1: the science of reading. The science of reading movement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not familiar with that. Um, I will never be one of those politicians that hem and haw and pretend I know something. Um, I will say my son hated reading, absolutely hated it. And then he really wanted to play video games with his friends though. So he wanted me to read and write for him all the time. Like, no, you have to, you have to pay attention and, and like do it yourself. And now he types faster than I do. He has public books on, he's published books on what's what pad and all sorts of stuff. I, each child has a different way of learning and what motivates them. So I know I'm not familiar with the sign of reading movement but Mm -hmm. I do feel that when it comes to the curriculum for children it needs to be tailored to the individual child and whatever resources we can make available for that we need to get rid of the standardized testing we need to get you know we need to make learning enjoyable again we need to make it accessible and we need to stop teaching acting like school is a preparatory place for the labor force we need we need intelligent individuals not slaves to the workforce.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That's that's a lot of my personal gripe with public school is that it's like it teaches you how to pay attention at the bell and then this bell dismisses you and this bell you can have lunch and then this bell you get to go home and then we're going to send you home with work that you don't get paid for because you got to do it at home like it's it's this whole thing. And then
1: their lunch breaks are shorter their recess is shorter than they were when I was a kid. The spring break, winter break is shorter than when I was a kid.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so crazy.
1: yeah, that's
0: crazy. Well, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about that like we didn't mention? I think I repeated myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one, Just one thing. I'm not backed by corporations. I'm not backed by parties. This is a grassroots campaign. So every single donation given to my campaign is extremely important. And I know a lot of us are struggling. I'm one of you. I'm struggling. I'm barely living out here. Um, so what I did was I created a subscription link on my website for $1 a month. And you can go to my link tree on my Twitter, on my Instagram, on my TikTok to easily find it. And you can subscribe for $1 a month. And I have almost 200,000 followers. I did have over 200,000 followers, but TikTok is removing people. Um mm-hmm across all my platforms, I have about 200,000 followers. And if everyone who buys a soda for a dollar a day just donated $1 a month, we could have $200,000 coming in to support this campaign and help me take down these corporate-backed politicians. So the the donate links are there. I've tried to make them easily accessible. And just uh, the finances, unfortunately, are where we, we need the most help with because the polls need to take us seriously so I can make it to the debate stage. And we need to travel and meet people in person. Next year, I have to travel to every single state to get on the ballot. Um, and I will be on the ballot on every state. I'm manifesting that now. Oklahoma is $100,000 to get on the ballot. So
0: you have to pay the state to be put on the ballot. Yes.
1: Yeah, some states. Oklahoma is the most outrageous. Mostly they're like $1,200, 500 um, Most states... It's signature requirements. I have to get petition signatures. If you're in Texas and you want to help me get on the ballot, don't participate in the primaries because your signature on my petition form will not count to get me on the ballot. It's another way it's rigged to not support unaffiliated because they know that we're a challenge to their system. Wait, so let's be okay. the problem.
0: <laughs> I am. I, I'm feeling all different kinds of feelings right now. Because like I didn't know that you had to pay to be on a ballot. I didn't know that like there's um like petitions and things like that, and all these different obstacles that are put in the way that keep regular ass people from running for these positions. So, yep, well, you can we irritate irritated uh, because now like my cuss words are coming out, <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> we can remind people that Joe Biden and other these big politicians have raised he raised over two hundred million dollars in twenty twenty over from donations, $200 and less, which means they came from people like me and you. Mm-hmm. If we can band together for a rich man that can pay for his own campaign, we can band together for one of us.
0: Yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. Um, so I think that's that about covers it. Um, where... Where can people find you online? I know you mentioned some of your platforms already, and I will be sure to include links in the description for the video on YouTube and um, for the show notes on the podcast, but where can people find you? Um,
1: Jones for president, 2024.com. It has my policies. I'm working on the legislative actions. I'm working on now. It has my 100 day plan up. It has some blog articles up about my stances. Um, also TikTok Jones for president. 2024 just all spelled out um except for 2024 is the numbers mm-hmm. is wow. my biggest platform it's the the way i've been spreading my message my hashtags have over 11 million views on there um so we also have jones for president on facebook twitter is jones for potus 2024 instagram all the links are in my link tree so if you go to one of them and go to the link tree all the others are linked and you can just go check it out
0: okay Awesome. Um, Actually, I have one last question that I have on here is, do you think the American public is ready for a pagan president? I do
1: (laughs) think, I think people are ready for something different. They might step back when they hear pagan, but I've had people in my chats that are like that, but then I'm like, but you're pretty cool and we agree on a lot of policies, so I'll vote for you. I'm like, thank you for not being a bigot.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. I think that pretty much sums up that answer. Um, So thank you so much for being here and having this conversation with me. It's been really enlightening on my part as well. And I've learned so much and I am grateful that I've been able to sit down and have this chat with you. I'm I'm thankful that you, that you had me on. I love,
1: I love podcast like this or we get to actually go into an in-depth discussion without a whole bunch of different um things distracting from the conversations
0: yeah so all right um yeah thank you so much and we will talk again soon sounds good thank you for having me on Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between myself and Brittany Jones. No matter where you fall on the political spectrum, please make sure you're registered to vote. Your vote does matter, so get out there and make your voice heard in the next election. Follow Brittany Jones on social media if you'd like to keep up to date with her campaign. Be sure to follow me on social media, subscribe to my newsletter, and join my forum. Become a member of Round the Cauldron on my website to get exclusive content, free downloads, and so much more. All of the links will be in the description and in the show notes, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and I will be back next month with a brand new special guest.